There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. Taking sides, we're taking over. Yeah. Love God, love people, love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. Amen. Would you stand on your feet with me? Lift your Bibles high. If you don't have a Bible, you use a digital Bible. I just want you to lift your mobile device high. We are in our series, King. Somebody say, I'm a king. Say it like you mean it. Say, I'm a king. Let's make our confession of faith together. Because I am unconditionally loved by God and at harvest, I come to God as I am. But through today's life-giving message, I won't stay as I am. This is my banner year, which is my best year yet in Jesus' name. I want you to go to Revelation chapter 5. Remain standing for just a moment. Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 10. This has been our theme scripture for this series, uh, Kings. We're talking money, power, and respect, but we're talking about doing it God's way. Somebody say God's way. Revelation 5.10. Now, the word revelation I've taught you is the Greek word apocalypto, where we get our word apocalypse, which means to uncover. Say to uncover. Okay, watch this. Uncover doesn't mean to create. It means to reveal. That's why the book is called Revelation. Watch this. Which means the whole time you didn't know it, but the whole time you've always been a king. Now that poem right there, that piece right there is the bishop. This is the king right here. The whole time, y'all look at me. Y'all look at this church. You looking at this? Now watch this. God's not creating you to be that. You are that, so I'm awakening that. So we have to reveal it. We have to uncover it. Please understand, Bishop, how do I know that I'm already a king? Because after everything you've already been through, how do you explain the fact that you're still standing? All the people that dropped you and abandoned you and threw you away. How do you explain the fact that you're still standing? There is only one explanation and that is while he is king of kings, you are a king. So here it is, Revelation 5.10. And have made us, say it's past tense. Everything in your life has been forming you, molding you, making you. And have made us, not is getting ready to make us, but and have made us, say it with me church, kings and priests to our God. Now say successful and spiritual. If you grew up in church, you thought you could only have one or the other. So many people consequently will leave church because they think, well, I got to be struggling and messed up and jacked up and tore up in order to be spiritual. That's not true. In one you, there's two realms, both a king and a priest. Verse says, and you have made us kings and priests to our God. Say it with me, 1115. And we shall reign on the earth. If you grew up in church, you were so fascinated with the afterlife, you never learned to reign in this life. But the book says we're supposed to reign where? 
on earth. When does it imply we're supposed to be doing that? Now. I declare to you, your days of struggling, your days of unnecessary drama, your days of unnecessary issues, those days are over because your days to rule and to reign and to conquer and to subdue, they have begun. And I need the kings that believe it to shout in the house. Father, in the name of Jesus, customize, tailor, make this word for us, your people, that we will move and walk in everything that you ordain. I thank you that the king that is on the inside of every individual under the sound of my voice, that king is being stirred, that king is being renewed, that king is rising forth. I declare discouragement has to fall off of your people right now. Depression has to fall off of your people right now. Anything that is hindering the flow of your word to your people, it's gone right now. Every distraction gone right now. I declare this word's going to fall on the ears of not just hearers, but it's going to fall on the ears of doers. They got the Nike spirit, Nikeo in the Greek. Just do it. I'm speaking to kings and the kings are rising out of Denver, rising out of Dallas, rising out of America. And if you believe it, somebody give them praise. As you take your seats, I five two three two or three people and tell them, say, you sit next to a king. You sit next to a king. You sit next to a king. Uh, today's message is titled this. It is titled Checkmate, and it's going to make sense in just a moment. In this series, we've been talking money, power, and respect, God's way. And the reality is we all desire those things. We all would like more money. Anybody don't want more money? All right, but you do not want more money. Okay, watch this. Somebody just threw it up automatically. Uh, anybody don't want more power? Mm -hmm. Anybody don't want more respect? No. The reality is we all want money, power, and respect, but we're talking about it God's way because we all desire those things. But I've not specifically taught on money, power, nor respect yet because when you know who you are, it changes what you do. I've never had to go up to a cow and tell the cow to act like a cow. It knew what it was, so because it knew what it was, it changed what it did. I've never had to go up to a chicken and lay hands on the chicken and say, spirit of the chicken coming to the chicken, because when a chicken knows it is a chicken, it knows that it doesn't move, but it clucks. When you know that you're a king, there are certain things that you will no longer fight with, certain things you'll no longer struggle with, certain things you'll no longer get discouraged about because when you know who you are, it changes what you do. And when you're a king, you get all three, money, power, and respect, and you get them for God's glory. Not your own self-aggrandizement. See, when you are not a Christian, anything you get in terms of money, power, respect is for your own glory. When you are a king, it is for God's glory, which means God says, I'm not giving you money, power, and respect just so you can go around and tell people back then you didn't like me now. I'm hot y'all up on me. No, what I'm doing is I'm giving it to you so you can use your life and your influence to change the life of somebody else. Touch your neighbor so you sit next to a king. Now, this is important to understand because when you're a king, you don't chase money, power, and respect. Let's be honest. A lot of the trouble you've gotten yourself in has been because you've been chasing money, power, and respect. You've been chasing for people to respect you so you loved it down. You've been chasing money so you made bad decisions. You've been chasing respect so you get in crazy scenarios, relationships, and situations. But the reality is when you know that you're a king, those things begin to chase you. See, when you change who you are, it'll change what chases you. And I came to stir up the king that's on the inside of you. I came to reveal revelation. I came to reveal to you who you really are. Somebody say, I am a king. So let's do a quick recap of the ground we've covered so far in the series. First, you are a king. Ladies, of course, that means queen. And every king has dominion. That's where we get the word kingdom, a king's domain or a king's authority. And Revelation 5.10 makes it clear we are to rule reign, conquer, and subdue in life, not just in death. And you increase your dominion one of two ways. I've taught you. First, by managing the dominion you already have well in every area of your life, both big and small. Sometimes before you want greater, you have to get good. 
Sometimes we want greater, but, but our performance doesn't match the greatness that we say we want. See, if you're going to be at the top, you're going to have to learn that the air is thin at the top and everybody can't survive up there, which means you're going to have to have a level of self-discipline other people don't have. You're going to have to have, I wish the kings understood what I was talking about. You're going to have to make sacrifices other people won't understand. Other people don't understand why you put God first, but that's why they keep coming up last. Other folk don't understand why serving it to you is important. Other folk don't understand why church attendance is important important to you but when you're a king you realize that I gotta manage my dominion well so whether they complaining about my job I'm gonna manage it well whether they complaining about my car I'm gonna manage it well whether they complaining about my spouse I'm gonna manage this well whether they complaining about my life watch me manage it well but then secondly, you increase your dominion by conquering enemies. Now, an enemy is anything that opposes your forward progress. So therefore, an enemy is a noun, a person, place, thing, or idea that opposes your forward progress. And when you're a king, watch this, you increase your dominion when you conquer enemies. One of the worst things we ever did is start giving people participation trophies. Because it implies that all you have to do is show up, but you don't have to show out. But watch this, to increase your dominion, to increase your money, power, and respect, to increase the authority you have, to increase your domain, you've got to now understand how to properly uh, deal with enemies, which means you've got to conquer them. Can I suggest to somebody that keeps saying to yourself, why do I keep going through this same thing over and over again? It's telling you, you didn't conquer it, you just got past it. You missed it. You missed it. You missed it. You, you missed it. You missed it. If you don't conquer the enemy, you have to revisit the enemy. But watch this. I declare for you in your life that you will not repeat cycles and circles anymore. Whatever enemy you have not conquered it, this is the year it comes down. Whatever generational curse you've not conquered, this is the year it comes down. Whatever issue you have not conquered, this is when it comes down. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired about the same thing over and over and over again. Somebody holler, that's over. I have to revisit it if I don't conquer it. Which is why you keep going through the same stuff in your marriage. You keep going through the same stuff with your kids. Because you're not conquering, conquering it. You're just trying to get past it. And this is important to understand. Because we then learn three things that every king needs. And we learn that every king needs a high pain tolerance. Watch this. Because in life you're going to experience pain. If you haven't experienced pain, keep on living. You're going to experience some pain. But watch this. When you experience pain, you become passive or persistent. How many folk right now you're dealing with some pain in some area of your life? Just be honest. You're at Harvest. You ain't got to fake it. Watch this. Here's the reality. That's just life. That's the game of life. In life, you're going to take some hits. In life, you're going to experience some pain. And you can become passive or persistent. But your neighbor is not the passive type. That's why Daniel 7.18 says the saints of the Most High, that's us, shall receive the kingdom. That word receive is the Greek word quabble, which sounds a lot like squabble, and I like it because it means and it implies a fight. In fact, the word means I've got to take it. Now check it out, which means, watch this, whenever I'm in pain, that is my opportunity to now possess something I did not possess before. Here's the issue. Many times as we pray the pain away, not realizing that pain is very necessary. How many times you have been through something you just said, Lord, just get me through this? Wrong prayer. A better prayer is, Lord, let me get everything out of this that I need to get out of this because I'm a king, so I don't have the luxury of quitting just because I had a bad day. I don't have the luxury of giving up just because I had a bad moment. No, I'm going to have to press through my pain, which means I need a high pain tolerance. Acts 14, says, we must through many tribulations or through much pain enter the kingdom. Watch this. And I said this last week. I liked it so much. I'm saying it again. Kings aren't scared of storms. 
think about how many days you spend in your life trying to avoid a storm. Trying to avoid a pain. Trying to avoid issues. Let's just be honest. A lot, we'll go through great trouble to avoid discomfort. But kings, because they have a high pain tolerance, understand that my growth happens greatest when I am in moments of discomfort. Because when I'm comfortable, I won't be provoked to change. It's quiet in the church. So I says, kings can't be scared of storms. Kings are the storm. Which means, watch this, whatever you're facing, you better reverse that thing and become the storm to the storm that was coming against you. But then in addition to that, watch this, stop wishing there was no pain and just be a king in your pain. Somebody say, I'm a king. So then we learned there were three things every king needs. Kings need a high pain tolerance. Then kings need to pray like kings. And kings pray to fix the problem, not just relieve the pain. Then I taught you kings pray to fix their sin. When I say sin, many times people will think of a certain thing. But the word sin in its simplest form scripturally just means to miss the mark. So watch this. A king, watch this, says, where did I make a mistake? Where did I look at something wrong? Where did I think about something wrong? Where did I assume when I should have asked? Where was I in error? Where did I miss the mark? See, watch this. Non-kings blame people. Kings accept responsibility. So a non-king still talking about what their daddy didn't do. A king says, well, I can't change what he didn't do or did do. I got to be responsible for my life. A non-king says what their mama didn't do. But a king says, you know what? She did the best she could with what she had. I just got to keep it moving. Since I'm the interruption to the dysfunction in my bloodline, and since I'm the curse breaker in my bloodline, ain't no sense in throwing dirt on them. They just did the best they could. They didn't know they were a king because they didn't have a harvest. They didn't have a word to come forth and tell them who they were. So ain't no sense in being mad at them. It's just time for me to king up. So Lamentations 5, 16, we looked at this. It says the crown has fallen from our head and every king has a what? Crown. I've already talked to you that in the series. Just doing a quick recap. It says the crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us for we have sinned. See, look what they said. We missed the mark. We thought about something wrong. We assumed we were in error. We're not blaming anybody because when you blame people, that means you're lame. You ever met somebody, you asking them about what they're doing and they talking about what everybody else is doing? They're like, why were you late? Well, so-and-so was late. King up. We ain't talking about so-and-so. We're talking about you. Stop fighting to be treated average. When you are a king, you are dealt a different hand than everybody else is. You got to stop fighting to be treated like everybody else. Could it be that the reason it seems like your whole life has always had a lot of pressure and always had a lot of issues and always had a lot of this is because God says you're a king and you're going to have to learn how to play a king's hand. Lamentations 5, 16. Uh, the crown has fallen from my head. Woe to us for we have sinned. Verse 17. Because of this, our heart is faint. Heart in the Hebrew language of the Old Testament is the word lev, which means mind. They said our mind is faint or tired. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. Look at me, church. Here's what they say. They say our crown came off of our head. Every king has a what? Crown. I've taught you that already in the series. Go get the messages. Watch this. They said we made some mistakes and we took our crown off. We stopped acting like a king and started wanting to be treated average. We stopped acting like a king, watch this, and started comparing ourselves to average family members. We stopped acting like our king and started comparing ourselves to average relatives. I'm talking to somebody. We stopped acting like a king and started saying, well, at least I don't do that and at least I don't do this. Now realizing when you're a king, you're not in competition with other people. When you are a king, you are in competition with yesterday's version of yourself. So the reason I ain't got to hate on nobody else is because I ain't stubbing nobody else. I ain't in competition with nobody else. I'm in competition with yesterday's version of myself. So, but watch what happens. They said, watch this. We took our crown off. Say, Bishop, how do I keep my crown on? You keep your crown on when you check yourself when you're off. 
You keep your crown on when you check yourself when you're off. See, a king isn't looking for people to blame. A king is saying, what could I have done differently? What could I have said differently? What could I have prayed differently? Maybe I worried about it before I ever prayed about it. Maybe I got concerned about it before I ever consulted Jesus about it. Maybe, maybe I got it all mixed up, messed up, jacked up, tangled up in my mind before I ever dealt with it accordingly. So kings pray to fix their sin. And the third thing kings do is they pray like sons, which took us to the third thing that every king needed. Every king needs a man of God. Somebody say, and I have one. Because the position from which you pray makes a big difference because you're no longer an orphan. You are a son. See, when you're an orphan, you're just scratching and biting, trying to get something so somebody receives you and accepts you. But when you are a son, you have an authority that an orphan does not have. And touch your neighbor and say, I am a son. See, while God is your heavenly father and you came into the earth through a natural father, the scripture teaches us that God empowers you and matures you and unlocks you through a spiritual father or a man of God. And in case you don't know, I am he for you. So that means you're not an orphan because you're not fatherless. And we looked at this principle from three different aspects from three different kings. Touch your neighbor and say, I got a man of God. And if this is your first time here, let me help you understand something. Sometimes people over-spiritualize stuff. Your drawing to this place is your answer about this place. You missed what I just said. The Bible says that a sheep would be drawn to the voice of their shepherd, which means I know you just thought you were coming just to check it out and try it out. But the reality is what God was doing is putting the man of God he's assigned you to in your life. Because whenever your man of God shows up in your life, that means your season is about to change in your life. I wish I had somebody here. So you coming here today, you watching me online right now, is God's confirmation to you you've been drawn to this shepherd. The Bible says that a sheep would be drawn to the voice of their shepherd, which means this is very significant. It's very significant. Sheep couldn't see well, so they had to depend on their hearing. And every shepherd had a distinctive sound that they made that those sheep that they were assigned to them were drawn to them. Which is why you can sit in different places and you can sit in different arenas and sit in different places and sit in different arenas and, and say, well, this is good information, but I'm not drawn to the voice. The scripture says that you're drawn to the voice. And every king, we learn this, has a man of God because they value the voice of their man of God because they understand that their man of God is, represents a connection between them and fulfilling what God has ordained for them to do. And so in the message, how to think like a king, I'm doing recap. I'm from preaching a minute. I taught you two thought processes kings have. The first was that kings think to work what works. So when a king sees something works, he doesn't stop doing it to try something else. He keeps working what works. I need to encourage somebody, your biggest issue so far this year is you stop doing what works to try something else. And then you get mad. You go to the gym, you see you losing weight, and then all of a sudden you tell me, I ain't been to the gym in a while. Well, that explains why the number's going up. You come to church and start applying the messages and watch it begin to work, and then all of a sudden you stop doing that, and then you're like, it just ain't working because you're not working it. Touch your neighbor and say, you got to work what works. When a king sees something works, he keeps doing it, and he doesn't stop what works to try something else. And secondly, uh, I taught you this principle last week on how to think like a king. Kings think excellence 24-7. Say, I'm a person of excellence. This is the reason why some of y'all got folk, watch this, if I'm talking to you, I just need your response will indicate this. Uh, watch this, this is why you can't understand folk that have issues with you that don't even know you. You're like, you don't even know me. Watch this. Because when you're excellence, it puts shame to what's average. And either people are going to come up to your excellence or they're going to talk about you because they're average. Either way, don't you come down from being excellent. Don't you come down from being the best of the best. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm a person of excellence. 
which means I may not have the best, but I'm going to play it like it is the best. I may not have been dealt the best hand, but I'm going to play it like it is. I may not seemingly have everything that I need, but I'll take what I got. I think of some single parents in here that learn that you got to take a bad hand and play it well. I think of some folks that spin through some financial valleys that learn about ramen noodles and learn about peanut butter and y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. I may not have the best hand, but because I'm excellent, watch me take a hand and play it well. So I took a scene from the movie Coming to America in last week's message. Coming to America. Y'all know the movie, don't you? Now, now don't y'all get quiet. I mean, 915 did that too. And listen, why is church the only place folk won't be fake? Like, like you don't know about this movie. And if you don't know, go Netflix it or Google it or something. Here's the reality. Watch this. The reason, watch this, so many folk that's been in church for so long, uh, they, 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 they go through this ritual, but they never have results, is because they've been taught to be fake in church. Just pretend like ain't nothing going on. Just pretend like and all this here and hallelujah and all this. And you're looking down your nose at the folk and all that. That's what I love about our church because you can come in here with whatever your issue is, whatever your drama is, whatever you're going through. Or maybe you're on a mountain, maybe you're in a valley. It don't matter where you are. But you can come in here and know you're going to receive a life-giving word and a life-giving message that's going to propel you to where you need to be. But touch your neighbor and say, don't be fake in church. You got gas. Now, I was talking about this movie, Coming to America. And in Coming to America, Queen Elion, anybody ever seen the movie? Some of y'all, that's your Saturday throw to. When the weather was changing on yesterday and getting kind of cool, you was like, let's just watch Coming to America. Close the blinds, pull the curtains back. I am very happy to be here. What's it? In the movie Coming to America, Queen Elion, Prince Hakeem's mother, that was Eddie Murphy, she challenged the king, James L. Jones, Joffrey Jafar, you deliberately disobeyed me. Because he wasn't acting like what he was. What was he? The king. And she said to him, I thought you were the king. When he was letting a circumstance rule him rather than him ruling his circumstances. And he said this, who am I to change it? And she says to him, I thought you were the king. It's some stuff you've been complaining about even this weekend. Where God is saying to you today through this message, I thought you were the king. You've been complaining about what's going on in your house. And God says to you, I thought you were the king. You've been complaining about what's going on in your finances. And God says to you, I thought you were the king. You've been complaining, thinking you get shorted everywhere you go. God says, I thought you were the king. Touch your neighbors, I thought you were the king. See, he was letting a circumstance rule him rather than him ruling his circumstances. She says, I thought you were the king, which brings us to today's message. Checkmate. Say checkmate. Checkmate is a game position in chess in which a player's king is in check, so he is threatened with capture and there's no way to remove the threat. Any chess players in the house? All right, any checker players in the house? That's okay. You just don't do nothing. You just sit at home, rock back and forth, and read the Bible all day. Okay, where you at? Okay. <laughs> now, 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 watch this, watch this. Say checkmate. checkmate. Have you ever felt like you've been in checkmate in life? Here's what the definition. It's a game position in chess in which a player's king, this is the king, watch this, he is uh, now in check, so he's threatened with capture, and there's no way to remove the threat. In chess, checkmating the opponent wins the game because in chess, the king is never actually captured. The game ends as soon as the king is checkmated, and it's considered bad etiquette to continue playing in a completely hopeless position. Y'all not saying nothing. Watch the principle. They said, well, he hasn't been captured, but it looks like he will be captured, so it's hopeless, so just quit the game. 
All right, I'm going to help somebody. There's some areas of your life where you feel like you're in checkmate and you are in a hopeless position. And when you're in checkmate, in chess, it may not be good edited to keep on playing. But when you're a king and when you're a priest and you're in Christ, it is good etiquette to keep on playing. Because there is another move. Touch your neighbor and say, there is another move. I need you to capture, I need you to capture the principle. The king in chess isn't actually captured in checkmate. He's just in danger of being captured. And so it's not good etiquette to keep playing because they don't think there's another move. This is where your neighbor has been in certain areas of your life. They don't think there's another move. But I came to announce to you today, there is another move. Somebody say there is another move. See, watch this, watch this. In life, when we're in hopeless positions and we're in checkmate, non-kings normally retreat, revert, or reverse. Retreat, revert, or reverse. Reverse. Here's what retreat means. I'm going to just pull back. So you know what? I just, I, I, I ain't going to go to church for a while. I ain't going to give for a while. I ain't going to serve for a while. I ain't going to do this for a while. I ain't going to pray for a while. I'm just retreating. And here's the interesting thing about retreating. When we retreat, here's what we're really trying to do. We're trying to gain control. Because we feel like we've lost control. And so when we retreat, we're trying to regain control. Your neighbor is a control freak. Now, they won't tell you, so just, just keep it between you and I. Okay, they want to be the controller. You understand? They, they, they want to control everything, everybody, every moment, every move. Every, that's why they throw temper tantrums sometimes when, when, when folk don't do what they want. Now, we're talking about your neighbor. Please don't look at them right now. But let's just be honest, church. How many of us can really admit we got some control areas? And so here's what we do. When we retreat, we'll come up with all these spiritual reasons of why we're retreating, all these spiritual reasons of why we're pulling back. But the reality is, is that that's a move of a non-king. You're a king, so we don't retreat, we advance. Okay? See, watch this. Say, there's another move. See, when you feel checkmated in life, the thought is, let me retreat. Let me not give, let me not serve, let me not do this, let me retreat. But when you're a king, you instead advance. But then, but then we revert. Revert means we go back to something, back to the way it was. I was telling this morning that I remember at a, a certain point a few months ago, we were having some calendar issues in our system. And so watch this. The calendar would be updated, but it would revert to the previous calendar. And so it would say that something was, even though it wasn't, because it kept reverting. Which means, watch this, what does that mean, Bishop? Is that you'll go back, when you feel checkmated, like you're hopeless, you'll go back to some bad mentalities. You'll go back to some bad relationships. You'll go email some folk you said were dirt. Isn't it funny that you said you never trust that Judas again, but you were at lunch with him on Friday? Isn't it funny that you said that you knew this person was a snake, but you decided when you felt like you were in checkmate that you had to go back into the snake den and you had to go back around the very thing that you said was killing you? Isn't it funny? Because we, we retreat. And then we revert. We go back to bad mentalities. You know thinking low doesn't work, but you'll go back to it. You'll know certain people mean you no good, but you'll go back around them. You'll know certain things are not good for you, and you'll go back to it. And then we retreat, we revert, and then we reverse. Reverse means I was making progress, and then I turn around all of a sudden, and I go the opposite direction. It's a, as a pastor, it is a very, it's a very uh, interesting thing to see people make so much progress and then all of a sudden as they're making progress, they then turn and do an about face and go the opposite direction. And sometimes you said, what the heaven are you doing? You ever had people in your life that you thought you were making progress with them to only get through several months to realize you weren't making progress, you were just passing time? Because instantly they reverse on you and you're like... 
Where'd this come from? Where'd they do that? Are you here, church? When we feel like we're in checkmate, anybody right now, just be honest, and you don't have to, you don't have to be uh, uh, pretentious about it. You don't have to pontificate about it. Anybody, you got some areas of your life, because here's the trip. In one area, you can be killing the game. In another area, you can be like, ooh, this game from the kill me. How many right now, you got some areas of your life you think you're in checkmate right now? Well, I came today to announce to you that you're coming out of checkmate in this worship experience. And I need you, if you believe that, to throw your hands up and say, I received that. Here's why, 1115, because there's another move. Somebody holler, there's another move. Be seated. Let me finish this. In chess, it may not make sense to keep playing, but it does make sense when you're in Christ. Because 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is, or Jesus is, in this world, so are we. And there was a time when even Jesus was at checkmate in the garden. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, which means wine press, but simultaneously it means a place, is, a place of benefit and blessing. So the same place that was pressing him was the same place that was blessing him. But if he gave up on the pressing, then he was going to forfeit the blessing. Your neighbor's issue used to be is that whenever things got tough and they felt in checkmate, they would revert, they would reverse, they would retreat. But today, the king in them is being stirred up, so now they will advance. Jesus is in the garden and he says, oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. It's like his humanity was saying, I don't have what it takes. His humanity was saying, I got to die for some folk that ain't even going to be grateful. His humanity was saying, this is getting ready to hurt. His humanity was saying, I don't want to deal with it. You ever had some stuff you had to deal with that you avoided? Watch this. You avoided and you got very, uh, you got uh, started to procrastinate because you knew it was going to be painful to deal with. There were some conversations you didn't want to have. Watch this with yourself because you knew it was going to be painful to deal with. There were some conversations you didn't want to have with people because you knew it was going to be very difficult to deal with. There were some conversations you didn't want to have with your spouse because you knew it was going to be difficult to deal with. There were some conversations you didn't want to have with your kids because you knew it was going to be difficult to deal with. There were some conversations you needed to have with your parents that you didn't want to have because you knew it was going to be painful. Jesus, I'm almost done. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's being pressed and he says father if it's possible I'm in checkmate I don't see another move here because watch this I don't want the suckers that set me up to think they took my life because I'm giving my life but at the same time I'm getting ready to go to hell for three days to pay a price for something I did not do oh god oh god touch your neighbor say he was in checkmate he was a have you ever sat up all night because checkmate was staring you in the face? Have you ever cried yourself to sleep because checkmate was staring you in the face? Have you ever gotten depressed in the middle of your day because checkmate was staring at you? Jesus says, Jesus says, I, I, I don't want to do this. But then right in the middle of his moment, the king in him advances him. Say there's another move. The verse says, Jesus said, nevertheless, you missed it. Watch the word. Never the less. Kings don't want the lesser. Because that's beneath them. Kings want the greater. You ought to just lay your hands on yourself this time and say nevertheless. Which means I could take the lesser way. That's the comfortable way. But the comfortable way isn't going to be the king's way. The king's way is going to require discomfort. It's going to require me doing things I thought I wasn't going to ever do. It's going to require me pressing and fighting and pushing. But nevertheless. Say there's always another move. So if even Jesus had to do it, you and I have to do it. 
And the reality is, is this, is that uh, I want to show you this, uh, this in scripture so that you can see another man doing it so you can get this principle of what you do when you're in checkmate. Say, say what do I do when I'm in checkmate? Genesis 15, when I'm almost through, it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Now, Abram now, you know him as Abraham. His name was Abram. Before it was Abraham, uh, the Lord changed his name to Abraham uh, to signify the significance of the relationship between the covenant God was creating between him and Abram. So he changes his name from Abram to Abraham, which means Abram in covenant with Yahweh. You do know God is not God's name. God is a 6th century Germanic term that comes from the word Gudan. God is simply a title. God's name is Yahweh. yod heh in the Hebrew. Jehovah in the English. So Abraham means God, uh, Abram in covenant with God. Now watch this. Genesis 15.1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Now, uh, Genesis 15.1. What's the first three words? Come on, talk to me, church. Come on, talk to me like an army. Just after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Well, what things happened? Well, in Genesis 14, we discover what happens. Abram had a battle in chapter 14 with a king. Well, y'all sit here. King Cato Laoma, who was king of Elam, who had taken his relative Lot hostage, and Abram went to save him. So in Genesis 14, 17, watch where he's at. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva. That is the king's valley. Now, what does that mean? Whatever you face as a king, this is where you're going to face it. So what I'm getting ready to teach you over these next two minutes, this is, this is where you deal with your greatest battles. Touch your name and say, stay with Bishop right through here. Because you've been thinking you've been fighting the devil when the reality is, is that you've really been dealing with this Cato Leomar. I'm going to help you understand that man. After his return from the defeat of Cato Leomar and the kings who were with him. So watch this. Kings have to fight kings. Which means, watch this. There's something trying to advance against you, which means you got to have a greater advance in you. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? You don't get to deal with the little battles down here. You done with lions and tigers and bears, oh my. You graduated to giants. Bishop, how do you know? Because the giants only appeared in the promised land in the scripture, which meant whenever I was dealing with something that seemed huge and bigger than I and greater than I, it was an indication of the greatness that was in me. You don't get little battles no more. You missed what I just said. You don't get little battles no more. And that ain't something to be mad about. That's something to be happy about. Here it is. I got to finish this. Watch this. It says, Genesis 14, 17, that he deals with this king named Cato Leomer. Cato Leomer, I'm going to go quickly here, so stick with me. His name in the Hebrew language of our Old Testament means a handful of sheaves. A sheave is a large amount that's bound together. And this Cato Leomer was king of Elam. Elam means hidden immaturity. So what literally happened is clear, but the spiritual meaning packs a punch. Abram had a battle with his own immaturity that was hidden from him from years of issues being bound together. I'll say it again. Abram had a battle with his own immaturity, which was hidden from him from years of issues that were bound together. Which means, watch this, a king's battle often is with himself. This is the reason you've been so exhausted even after resting all day. This is the reason why your mind has been uh, exhausted even after you uh, say, I gave it to Jesus. I wish I would have some honest folk in here. This is the reason you've been dealing with some stuff and you're like, why is this tiring me? Why is this wearing me out? It is because you're dealing with a king's battle and you're dealing with Cato Leomar. Abram was checkmated 
in this battle and he had to deal with this king, Kade Longmer, and he was really, what the scripture's implying to us is he had to deal with his own immaturity, which was hidden from him from years of issues bound together. Where, where are your immaturities at? Okay, it got quiet right there. Because we all like to think that we're more mature than we are. Until we're in the King's Valley and we discover, okay, I wish the honest folk would just at least wave at one time. We all like to think we're super mature Christians in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the reality is, it's some stuff that made you holler, snap, crackle, and pop. And it reveals to you that there's some areas of immaturity. And our areas of immaturity are normally tied to pride. That's why we revert, that's why we reverse, and that's why we retreat. See, watch this. When you're in the King's Valley and you're dealing with you and you're dealing with your own immaturity, sometimes you'll pull back, I just can't do it. I just can't do that, I just can't do that. So you retreat, you reverse, you revert because you're in a King's Valley and you're dealing with your K-Day-Long or you're dealing with your own immaturity. You're dealing with the you that likes to blame everybody else rather than accepting responsibility. You're dealing with the you that's still mad at God from what happened to you when you were 12. I'm going to help somebody today. You're dealing with the you that's still mad at your daddy because he walked out. You're dealing with the you that's still mad at your mama because you didn't understand. You're dealing with the you that's still mad at two bosses ago, so now you treat your new boss like two bosses ago because that other boss. So watch this. Watch this. I got to move. Look at verse 20, Genesis 14, 20. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave them a tithe of all. So check this out. When he was checkmated, there's two things he had to do, and there's two things you and I have to do. The first thing is he had to grow up. Say grow up. Grow up. You have been through too much to keep repeating the same battles. I don't, I don't know about you. I don't mind people making new mistakes with me. Just don't keep making the same mistake with me. Like, we didn't talk about this before. Now, I, I just don't understand what the problem is. Yeah, evidently, what we have is a failure to communicate. Or a failure to... Anybody else like that? You're like, okay, I thought we talked about this. I thought we... What problem is? And then, but trouble, trouble, trouble. I don't understand from. Now, watch this, watch this. There were two things he did that we learned from Genesis 14. I'm almost done. Y'all with me, church? Let's say checkmate. There are two things you do to come out of checkmate. The first thing is you've got to grow up, but then the second thing is you've got to give up. And when I say give up here, I don't mean give up like quit. Notice what he did in verse 20. And blessed be the God most high who's delivered your enemies into your hands, and he gave him a tithe of all. Which means evidence that Abram had conquered his immaturity was that, watch this in the scripture. It's right there in the text. So, so, so somebody say it's right there in the text. While he's in this king's valley, he had to deal with his immaturity. That's Cato Leomer. And then the Bible says proof that he dealt with his immaturity was how he gave. Now, I know it got real quiet in the church when I started talking about giving. But let's be clear. We need to talk about giving because the Bible talks about giving. And here's the reality. Money, power, and respect, that requires giving. It's quiet in the church. See, grow, uh, growing up and giving up or sowing up got, got him through the king's valley. Here it is, Genesis 15.1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Once Abram, whose name wasn't later changed to Abraham, once he tithed. Now, the tithe, in case you don't know, that's the first 10% of any gross income. The offering is everything above that. Notice, why was it significant that the Bible records to us that him getting through this king's valley, he had to deal with his immaturity and grow up, but then he also had to give because Jesus makes it plain he says wherever your treasure is or your money is there your mind is which means watch this I'll know whether or not you've really matured based on how you give 
And for those of you who think, oh, here it is, this is a hustle. No, 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 these are God's work. This ain't no hustle. I'm here to tell you, I'm a living witness that when you really conquer some things in your life, giving is something that you say, it's evidence of my maturity. I don't have to give to God. I get to give to God. I'm a king and I get to bring my offering and my tithe to the king of kings. Watch this, watch this. Once he tithed and conquered his own immaturity, Cato and Laomer and giving, then the Lord visits him with these powerful words. This is how you're coming out of checkmate. Say, this is how I'm coming out of checkmate. See, watch this. It was more than just the tithe that was the issue. It was about God finally being first in Abraham's life. See, he came from a bloodline where nobody else had done that. He was the first in his bloodline to put God first because his father's name was Terah, which means he was a wild goat, a loiterer, an animal. So he was the first in his bloodline, just like many of us are. You're the first in your bloodline to be faithful to church, first in your bloodline to be faithful to God, first in your bloodline to serve, first in your bloodline to give, first in your bloodline to be the curse breaker in your bloodline. So, so watch this, so watch this, watch this. God reveals this to him and, and, and God deals with him and says, I got to be first. So he has to be first. So I've taught you these five T's before. God should be first in our time. That means uh, church attendance. He should be first in our treasure. That's our giving. And be first in our talent. That's serving in church. First in our testimony. That's inviting people to church. And first in our thirst. That's prayer, praise, and worship. After Abram gave up and after he grew up, God tells him, I am your exceedingly great reward. So, so, so I got to tell you what that means. Can I tell you what that means? Can I tell you what that means? He says, he says, I am. I am is in, in its Hebrew origin means I will prove who I am. Which means God says, Abram, when you're in checkmate, I need you to grow up and I need you to then give up. Got it? Let me say it like this. Grow up and give greater. Because I don't want you taking notes and getting it twisted and saying, see, I'm supposed to give up. <laughs> grow up and give greater. Watch this. I am, which means I'll prove who I am. Your battles in life reveal to you who God is, who you are to him, but who you are to yourself. So the hell you go through helps you hear him. The battles teach you to believe in him. The pain teaches you to pray to him. And failure teaches you to put your faith in him. He says, Abram, I am your exceedingly great reward. That's how I am. Now watch this. I am your shield. That word shield in Hebrew is the word magim, which means your buckler, which in French means your boss. It means your defense, your protector, and the scaly hide of a crocodile. That means I'm your impenetrable covering. Check it out. When you do those two things to come out of checkmate, the scripture says that God will be your defense. He will be your protector. He'll be the scaly hide of a crocodile, which means ain't nothing that's coming against you that's going to be able to penetrate and get in you. But then he says, I'm your shield, your exceedingly great reward. That word exceedingly in the Hebrew language is the word meo, which means muchness. Yes, it's a word. Muchness. It means force. It means abundance. Great is the Hebrew word rabah, which means to increase, to enlarge, to excel, to multiply over the process of time. He says, Abram, Abram, when you're in checkmate, if you grow up and give greater, then watch this. I will be... Your great reward. Now, 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 say great. Say it again, say great. Now, now, watch this. Here's why it's important to understand. Because reward, I got to finish right here. Reward is the Hebrew word sakar, which means salary, wages, compensation. So here's the good news. If you'll grow up, God will pay up. You missed what I just said. God says, watch this. Uh, if you will now come out of checkmate and grow up, let's just be honest. How many of us, there's some areas we need to mature and we need to grow up. There's some areas we throw temper tantrums, get mad, take our marbles and go home. I'm going to tell you from this day forward, that's over. It's time for you to grow up. But then it's also, watch this, it's also in giving greater. 
And God says, I'm going to pay you back for it. Listen to me, 1115. I got one more thing to say. It's payback time. You can sit there and look at me if you want to. You can sit there on your hands if you want to. I didn't come to play no little church game for you. I didn't come to play some antic just to get you stirred up and just get you emotional. No, I came to announce what thus says the Lord to you. It is payback time for you. You've been through too much. You've suffered through too much. You've dealt with through too much. And now it's time for you to come out of checkmate. Come out of checkmate. Somebody holler, I'm coming out of checkmate. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.